Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. If you want to hear the show, you can find it on Family Life Radio. If you want to find a station near you, you can go to myflr.org or stream it online. Hey, we're excited to have our next guest. His name is Jeff Henderson. He's got a new book out. It's called What to Do Next, Taking Your Best Step When Life is Uncertain. And this has to do with like career changes, major decisions you're trying to make in your life. Now, Jeff is an entrepreneur. He also is, uh, this is cool, he worked at Chick-fil-A for years in their marketing department, also worked for the Atlanta Braves. He's got a lot of business background, also a pastor, and uh, helped start several churches. So it's awesome to have Jeff Henderson with us today. Well, Jeff, welcome to the show. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you here. And the book is What to Do Next, Taking Your Best Step When Life is Uncertain. A lot of this is from your your personal life, gosh, just even in the beginning of the book, you talk about making some big changes. Talk about that. Well, I didn't know it at the time when I wrote this that we would now be in what many people are calling the great resignation or resignation nation with people trying to make moves and and uh, thinking. I think one of the things that COVID helped us realize is, for at least for some people, is, hey, I feel like I need to make a next move. But for me, my wife, Wendy, and I were becoming empty nesters, and uh, we had some advisors that were saying, hey, what do you think this next season is going to look for you? And we didn't know at the time, that was 18 months before we left, that that conversation would would send us into a new season. We helped start two churches in the Atlanta area, and uh, we loved that, but we felt like that season was coming to an end, and we had to figure out, okay, what, what do we want to do? next. One of the principles that, that I've used over the last several years of my career is you don't have to figure out the rest of your life. You just have to figure out the best next move. And so the book is our story, but also some helpful practical strategies, particularly for those that might find themselves trending toward a season of what to do next. Yeah, you quit your job before you had one. That's not necessarily the best route to go. Or is, I mean, that sometimes is the God route to go. But uh. yeah, that's true. I, I had to explain this to my mom, and and uh, so you know, even at ninety four, she's sweet and wonderful, but she asked some really great questions like, "Why are you doing this?" And one of the things, I mean, you you all read my first book, know what you're for, and I had gone on a a speaking tour, and one of the things I realized is that many organizations, nonprofits, churches, businesses were trying to figure out the two questions that I put in the book: What do you want to be known for? What are you known for? And as I went on this speaking tour around the country, I realized I think this is our next season. But this was the first time that I didn't go from one job to the next. I was going from one job to an idea of serving and uh, helping organizations with these concepts. So you you know you can't eliminate risk, but you can shrink it. And so we had so many advisors and some some next steps that we thought you know what, this is the season that we felt. God calling us to, to do this. And one of the great things that Wendy and I have been able to do is, is, is be in agreement on these moves. You know, I talk about, you know, three big moves over the last 23 years. One, I was in marketing at Chick-fil-A. No one ever leaves Chick-fil-A. Only crazy people like me ever leave Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and that was that was to help launch a church in the Atlanta area. And so when I when we had some you know challenging days in any early startup. Winnie and I would get together and go, no, but this we signed up for this. Um, same thing when we left Buckhead Church, which was that church to launch two Gwinnett Church locations. Hey, we signed up for this. And in this season, the, as many wonderful times and challenging times, hey, we signed up for this. So we didn't sign up for easy. We signed up for worthwhile. And that's the amazing thing when you know you're in agreement with this, you're following the Lord's leading. 
it's not promised that it's going to be easy, but it's it's a promise that it will be worthwhile. And that's sort of what we found over these years in making these moves. One quick question. Was it your pleasure to leave Chick-fil-A? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's never a pleasure to leave Chick-fil-A. Oh, my goodness. But I will say this. One of the principles I talk about in the book is leaving well, because how you, fi- how you finish one season is connected to how you begin your next season. So when I left Chick-fil-A, I wrote everyone in the marketing department and the executive committee team, a handwritten note to say, thank you for my time here. I'm so grateful for it. In the note, it was basically saying, if this church thing doesn't work out, can I come back and work here? Right. <laughs> so, um, but part of what I do today in this new season is I work and I help Chick-fil-A with some of the things that they're doing. So as we all think about, you know, at some point, what's next, be sure to finish well. It honors the Lord. It honors the people that you're serving and it helps position you for what, whatever's next. Uh, you know, when you're considering a career change or really, you know, any big change, a lot of times there's a lot of emotion. Maybe you're fearful, you're anxious, you're worrying about things and there's not a lot of planning that goes into it. How do you overcome those emotions and push towards making the right move for you in that season that you're in? There's not a little bit of fear of or, or some emotions. Sometimes I would wonder, are we, you know, do you realize what a big move this is? So, so it's okay to feel fear. It's okay to feel uncertainty and all the emotions that come with that. And I think there's a certain amount of grief too. If you really enjoyed where you were, but you feel like you're called to a new season, there's a certain amount of grief. For example, at the church that we left, we helped start it. I came up with the name of it. I hired all of the people there. We didn't just leave a job. We left our community. So there's a certain amount of grief. You know, relationships change because you're not around that much anymore. Because in our case right now, we're traveling all the time, serving other churches. So there's a certain amount of grief. And if you don't process grief, and those emotions, eventually you'll be forced to, your body will shut down. Or, you know, as a pastor, I've seen people who have not dealt great with grief and, and grief. Uh, if you don't deal with grief, your body will force you to at some point. So one of the things I did is I hired a transition consultant. That's a fancy title for therapist. But basically what this person <laughs> does is yeah. he helps people with the career transitions. Our first meeting, I said, okay, I got four issues, three about the business that I'm trying to launch and one about my emotions of, of just this transition. And he said, okay, let's just, let's start with your emotions. Well, we spent the entire time on just the emotions that I was feeling. So, you know, leaving and and moving on to that season, there's a lot of emotions that come with it. Fear is one of them. But uh, one of the ways I've dealt with fear is obviously through prayer, through, through wise counsel, but taking action. I think sometimes we think courage is the antidote to fear. My experience is that action is the antidote to fear. And when you take action, courage follows up. So that's not thoughtless, unwise action. It's not even big action. It could just be taking a small step, placing a phone call, calling somebody, trying to meet with them, uh, exploring what you're good at, uh, maybe a side hustle. Um, just those small steps of action can keep you moving forward. And uh, that's one of the things I learned from John Maxwell when he said, you know, I never had a clear vision. I just kept moving forward. And I think at some point in all of our journeys, there is a season of next that is coming. You may not be in that season right now. That's all right. But eventually you will be. Well, what you can do right now, dealing with your emotions, becoming emotionally and spiritually healthy, all of that is really, really important in any career move. You know, I love what you're saying. And as I was pouring through this book on what to do next, taking your best step, when life is uncertain, you just said it. If you're 
looking for a sure thing before you move, you probably won't move. So, right. but there must be some landmines along the way that we should avoid when making a decision to move in these uncertain times. So I'll give you just, again, a practical example from my background. So uh, let's go back to to Chick-fil-A, even though it was not my pleasure to leave. But the point was, (laughs) is that before we even knew that, hey, we might launch a church someday and this whole pastor thing, because I I grew up a preacher skit, right? So I promised myself I would never, ever, ever, ever work at a church. So never say never, okay? So, because I worked in a church for 18 years. So as I'm processing this, you know, I'm I'm happy at Chick-fil-A, but one of the things that Wendy and I did early on in our marriage was we wanted to get our financial house in order. I mean, you have two people coming in, right? So where are we financially? So we went through a couple of financial small groups at our church and it helped us get ready. Little did we know that one day, long, long story short, we would be presented with an opportunity to leave Chick-fil-A, take a huge pay cut to help start a church. But we were in the financial position to do that. Well, part of that for me is one of the heartbreaking things I see is when the next idea or the next opportunity arrives and people aren't in a position to pursue it in this example because they're not financially ready. So sometimes the worst thing can happen is next arrives and you're not ready for it. So that's why I tell folks, one of the best things that you can do right now is to try to get your financial house in order, be ready, because there might be an opportunity that's coming down the road. And if you're not in a position financially to pursue it, that's hard. So that's why I think even if you're not in a season of next, keep moving forward. There are some things that you can do in the in the meantime. You talk about career change and that it, you know, it doesn't have to be the leap over the Grand Canyon can be, you know, managed more like a, a leap over a mud puddle. Can you share more about your career changes and um how they aren't necessarily Grand Canyon leaps. Yes. For example, when I had the idea of, I went to a conference, Chick-fil-A took me to a conference, I mean, years ago, it was a church leadership conference. It was at that conference, I felt like the Lord was calling me to someday start a church. Well, I didn't come home and go in the next day and quit at Chick-fil-A and then try to start launching this church. We went on a journey. It was a three-year journey of, of wondering, okay, what would it even mean to launch a church? Where? How? And over that three-year period, we were able to uh, shrink the risk so that when we left Chick-fil-A, if Buckhead Church, and Buckhead Church here in Atlanta was one of the first video multi-site church, uh, you know, multi-site video churches is kind of a common thing now, but back in the day, that was this was one of the first if maybe the first in the country. And so, I mean, imagine explaining this, me explaining this to my mom and dad going, hey, I'm going to leave this multi-billion dollar company to go work at a church where the preacher's on video. Ooh. I mean, it just made like absolutely <laughs> no sense, right? But we had done the due diligence. We had, you know, even if Buckhead Church did not work out, okay, we're in a financial position. We could weather that storm. Don't forget, I've written about a hundred notes to people at Chick-fil-A. I bet I could call somebody and get my job back. We've got enough that, yeah, it would be muddy and it would be wet and, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, we, we would be obedient to God's calling and we're, we're going to just trust God to let him figure this out. Now, fortunately for us, Buckhead Church worked and it was amazing. And in many ways, it led me to what I'm doing today. But you can't eliminate risk, but you can shrink it. And so as Wendy and I ventured out to this, we said, you know what, this may or may not work, but we're going to be okay if it doesn't work, because if it doesn't work like we think it will, we believe God's going to provide in some other way. And you know, the other thing I've discovered is, you know, I'm not sure everything works like we think it will, right? There's always some surprises along the way. In the case of Buckhead, I feel like it worked a little bit too well, because suddenly now I had 
thousands of people. I'm trying to figure this out and they're asking me questions. And I'm like, you know what? A few months ago, I was selling chicken. I don't really know what I'm doing here, right? So all of that is a, hey, we, we know we're supposed to be here. And so I think trying to make sure that you eliminate as much risk as possible or shrink it, but you, it will not go away. There, there will always be a little bit of a risk. And you actually want that as it relates to your spiritual journey, because that risk is an opportunity for your faith to stretch and grow. So I, uh, right now I'm working on, you know, doing some stuff that, that's kind of rooted in my career. Like I'm not looking for a career change. You know, I want to write a novel. I'm working on launching a YouTube channel. So these are things I'm really passionate about. But uh, I can feel a little discouraged, especially when things aren't happening at the rate that I want them to. So talk to me about the power of 90 days when you're taking on something new. I love it, Misty. Well, here's the deal. The fast track is slower than we think. And that's actually a good thing. Because what you're learning in the process, it's going to develop you, both who you are as a person. You're just going to, you're going to learn more. But what you're doing is what I call side hustles. And I'm a firm believer in side hustles. I believe that you can check more than one career box. Now, not everybody believes that. All right. So I get that. But I believe that you can. It takes some discipline. But for example, one of, I think something that parallels with what you're doing is something that I did 12 years ago. I launched uh, an online coaching program for preachers to help them preach better sermons. And that's what we, that was kind of the problem. That is needed. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> we have a theory yes. that all preachers could use a little radio in their... That's right, right, right. And if it's, and if it's not going well, they can say, let's go to commercial break. So I did that 12 or 13 years ago. Well, that was a little bit of a side hustle. And one, one of the reasons I wanted to do that was it was going to force me to learn some things about the internet, about internet marketing, about, you know, creating a product. Well, fast forward all the way to today. One of the core parts of my new venture is coaching business communicators on how to make their next presentation their best presentation. Well, all of that, Misty, started back with this little side hustle. So I love those side hustles. The other reason I love side hustles, I think it helps me be a better leader where I am. And I would learn things about internet marketing that I would apply back to our church and go, you know what? We should do this. I learned a lot about social media. In fact, I worked at North Point Ministries, which some folks are, are familiar with um, in Atlanta area. I launched the first social media account for the entire organization at Buckhead Church. It was on Twitter. And boy, did we have some conversations. Should, should a church even be on social media? This is back in the day. Well, <laughs> wow. part of what helped me with that is because I was out venturing and experimenting with this coaching program online. And I noticed, you know what? I could re reach people through social media. Oh, you know what? I bet I could do this for Buckhead Church. And now Buckhead Church has, you know, thousands of people that follow them online. Well, that came about through these side hustles. So the great thing I think that you're discover or you're about to discover is there are things that you're going to learn and discover that, that will help you two, three, four, five years down the road. So that's why I'm excited that you're doing that. As we're talking and addressing emotions and that thing, the saying goes that hindsight is 2020 but before the wonderful hindsight is the emotional price tag of making a life change so i noticed that you had kind of sharing some of the questions that you were asking yourself as you were making this big decision to uh, make a change 
I really believe in the verse in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, that says that many with many advisors, plans succeed. And so I had advisors surrounding me asking me great questions, such as, hey, what do you what do you and when do you want to do when you're empty nesters? Well, that's a question that appeared from an advisor. So that was that was really, really helpful. But for me personally, you know, how can I let go and not linger? I see a lot of leaders especially those that have founded organizations, they kind of leave, but they really don't. And they kind of linger around. And so the question I was asking is, how do I leave with no muddy footprints? That was the statement that I got from Jimmy Collins, who is the president of Chick-fil-A. He retired when I was at Chick-fil-A and he said, I want to leave with no muddy footprints. And so I, I, how do I leave well? How do I leave emotionally well? How do I make sure that this isn't about me? We all have a similar enemy and it is our ego and ego is the enemy. And so, you know, how, how can I process this? A question that I've walked with with several years now is what's it like to be on the other side of me? And then there's, there's the question that I really wrestled with early on, which was what if this doesn't work? That's, that's actually been in every single move. What if Buckhead Church doesn't work? Or what if what that church doesn't work? And what if the four company and what I'm doing now doesn't work? And I've had to convert that thought. I have this chapter in the book that called, it's about thought converters. And what I mean by that is rather than getting handcuffed by this, what if it doesn't work? Instead, what if this does work? And getting excited about what the potential of what this could be of being able to, I mean, spend time with you all to go. I'll, I'm leaving here to and a little bit to go to San Antonio to, to speak to educators. And then I'll be in St. Louis preaching this weekend to a great church. So those are opportunities that I'm like, wow, that would not have happened if I had not ventured into this new, new season. What if this does work? Being aware of the questions and the thoughts that you're asking yourself is so important because it is, it is a mental game at the end of the day. You mm-hmm. talked about having a personal advisory board, which by the way, I'd like to have one of those. <laughs> I know. I, I think I need one. Especially when I have a major, I didn't talk to my board. Just like, um, <laughs> but uh, So tell me about that. How did this come about and what do you use them for? How's it, explain all this. This is interesting. I got this idea from uh, Jim Collins who wrote the book, Good to Great. That's I think the book he's most famous for. Mm-hmm. He talked about the fact that Coca-Cola has a board why shouldn't you? I mean, they're just selling sugar water. You have your one, you know, single solitary life. And I thought, oh, that was really convicting for me. And I thought, you know what? I should have a board because I just get, you know, one one chance at this. So I said, you know what? I want to find men who are older than me. Their marriages are great. Their kids are what my kids, I would hope my kids will grow up to be. They're, you know, just all the things I would like. And I just approached them, just four of them and said, would you be on my personal advisory board? To which they said, what is a personal advisory board? And so I explained Yes. Explain. I said, well, what what if we were a business and we would come in and, and we would talk about the issues related to the business, you know, the health of the business, where the future of the business, the direction of the business, and they and they were all business guys. I go, oh, we totally get that. Okay. Well, instead of the business, how about me and my life? And we'll talk about my marriage, we'll talk about my finances, we'll talk about what's currently going on in my career. We'll talk about parenting. And they said, well, well, sure. So we approached it as a board meeting. And I basically came with three questions. Uh, Question number one is what I'm excited about and what's going well. Question number two is what am I not excited about or nervous about or worried about? And then what is something in my life that needs to be changed or, or needs to improve upon? And we would talk about that. Sometimes they would bring the agenda. And sometimes it was just an opportunity for me to process out loud with four really, really wise men. And so I've been traveling with these men for quite a while. Wendy will come in 
probably once a year to these meetings and they'll say, hey, Jeff's talking to get game. Tell us how things are really going. Right. And so obviously, as we were making this decision, they we, we were started, we were meeting very frequently, either in person or over virtual. But it was so fun because the last week that we were at the church, the, the staff threw a party for us, the farewell party, and we invited personal advisory board and their wives and they were sitting right up front. And uh, it was just, it was so meaningful to me. In fact, they're in the book. There's a picture of them in the book and we're going to get together with dinner with them and their wives just to say thank you. But again, it goes back to without advisors, plans fail. And with many advisors, plans succeed. I just don't trust myself and my own intuition and my own wisdom and my own experience to be making decisions like this on my own. I just don't trust myself that I can see this clearly. And, and honestly, with all due respect to all of our listeners today, I think the same is true for you. Um, you have a limited point of view. That's one of the things Truett Cathy taught me, the founder of Chick-fil-A. I was driving Truett to a speaking engagement one time, and he was asking me questions about the business and how did I like it? And we started talking about life and all this. And I thought, why is Truett? I mean, he invented the chicken sandwich. Why is he asking me any questions about the business? But, <laughs> right. um, but Truett knew that he had a limited point of view. And even though he created the sandwich and founded the company, that's a limiting point of view. And so here he's asking me questions about the business and, and about life. So that limiting point of view is something that if we don't get a broader view, it can really lead us into some decisions. <laughs> the other thing I'll be honest with you is if this season didn't work out, I could blame them and not me. I'm like, hey, this is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's all your fault. Right. That's right. Right. Maybe the principle here is always have someone else to blame, right? So, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, a, that's a terrible principle. But that, here's what I tell people about this, especially um, I have a group of, of guys in their 30s and, and uh, we get together. They make me feel really nice and, I mean, really good about and, and really old. You know, here I am 20 years older than them, right? And I've t they're all, always asking about personal advisory board. And I'll say, here's the deal. I'll tell you everything you know about it. But the reality is you're probably not going to do this. And they all like, wow, why, why do you say this? It's because it's one of those important but not urgent things. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to go out there, you're going to have to be prepared. And there's an old adage, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it sounds true, is that when the student is ready, the teacher or teachers will appear. And I was ready. I knew exactly what I wanted out of a personal advisory board. I knew the kind of person that I wanted or people. I knew how it would work. And then I started seeing them. I'm like, oh, and they were all in our church. And I, and I approached them. And uh, they said yes. And so that's, they, they've been a, quite a gift to, to not only me, but really to Wendy and our kids. I was surprised to read that a lot of times you feel like you're behind in life. And you said we can be our own worst critics. And you said you connect this emotion to the comparison game. So I was wondering how that affected you and how you were able to move past that. Yes, this isn't, uh, this isn't a diatribe against you know, technology or social media. But I think part of the challenge with social media is we, we're seeing everyone's highlights, right? And then we look at where we are and we feel like, oh, they're, you know, they're a lot further behind or a lot further ahead. And I'm so behind and all this kind of stuff. And when you, when you go there, you really do yourself a disservice because their success or failure really largely doesn't determine where you are. And you're, you're not behind because what you're currently going through is shaping you for what's ahead. And that's why, as I said earlier, the fast track is slower than we think. 
So when I talk to my 30 something friends and they've been at a job for three months and they haven't gotten a promotion and they think something's wrong, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're don't get too impatient. You know, there are some things that you're learning that only can happen over time. And these character lessons are, you know, your career many times. Um, the best place to be is in the crock pot, not the microwave. And I think we have a microwave culture that wants things to happen faster. And you just can't microwave character. You can't microwave persistence and resilience. You can't microwave getting back up after you've been knocked down. You have to allow those, those things to really soak and saturate and, and grow your, grow your soul. So, um, for me, that's been, that's, I've had to go, okay, I, I have to focus in on where I am. And maybe the best example, uh, a friend of mine, I was asking him, uh, you know, what's your definition of success? And he said, well, I don't know if that's the best question. I think the better question is, what is your definition of excellence? And he says, success is comparing yourself to other people. Excellence is comparing yourself to your own potential. That's what we need to be focused on. And so when I, when I heard that, that was so, so helpful and a reminder. And I have to remind myself of this stuff all the time is that focus on your own potential and celebrate others. The other thing we need to do is when someone is a, looks like they're getting ahead of us or whatever, we need to celebrate them and cheer them on and, and genuinely and authentically be for you. Their success does not take away from yours. And I feel like we live in a society that, that wants to pull each other down and, and bring each other down. And we, we need to celebrate that. But also at the end of the day, go, okay, what, what is my potential and move closer to that? That's just a, a healthier way to live, I think. Wow. Yeah. Just that positive mind frame is, is really a challenge in a place that we need to keep ourselves in. So I have to ask you, I, I read a statement that just rocked my world you said i woke up in florida unemployed and i'm like dot 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 <laughs> tell me more about waking up in florida unemployed because i think it prior to that led to finishing well so i think it's helpful to know i woke up in florida with wendy and two friends were at a uh we were in florida and we wanted to get away and these friends had been journeying with us they knew exactly our decision making um and it was just um a, a process for us and they they met us there and you know, they they started at the comma because they they had known everything that we you know, had been sensing and feeling and, and doing millions and they knew that the grief because they had actually also left the church that they founded for very similar reasons. They felt like this, all right, this is our next season and we're moving forward. But it was a, um, it was, it was a, I, it was a great weekend and a hard weekend. Uh, I remember, uh, saying that we went and got some food over at our favorite little seafood restaurant, brought it back and I'm praying over the food and I just start crying and i'm like no one should cry over fried shrimp i mean you should be <laughs> there should be joy there's no there's no crying in baseball and there's no crying over fried shrimp but all the emotions of i won't be there on sunday and leaving my friends but knowing all those emotions were just swirling and then the and then the uncertainty of um about, but knowing i'd been here before i mean the same thing happened when i left chick-fil-a 
the same thing that happened when I left Buckhead. But it's it, just because you've been there before in a similar situation doesn't make it any easier. You're just kind of aware of, okay, this is the grieving process and all this. And uh, But to have friends that were just with us and said, hey, we, we understand how you, you feel. And and uh, and just to kind of, we just sat around all weekend and um, and watched college football together and just went to the beach. And it was just helpful just to talk this out, out loud. I don't miss those days, but I'm so grateful for them. Um, and I think part of the reason sometimes people hold on to, I think there are a lot of leaders that hold on a little bit too long. Because they, they they begin to sense if they start thinking about letting go, they some of that pain and grief starts to come in and they shut it down. That's why I think um, sometimes leaders stay a little bit too long. I had another pastor mentor of mine when I was processing this and I said, hey, do you think I'm leaving too, too early? And he said, well, I would rather leave a year too early than a day too late. And I feel like there are a lot of leaders and a lot of people that step, leave a little bit too late. So if I have to make a mistake, I'm going to leave a little bit too early. But the grief and the, and, the, and the but to have people that are around me that are processing this with Wendy and me um, is so helpful. And I got some advice too to say, hey, in this season, be sure that Wendy remains your wife and not your your therapist or counselor. I mean, obviously, wise counsel and all that, but. But there's a difference between, you know, your wife and your counselor. And so that was so helpful as well. So to have friends that are journeying with us in Florida was helpful because we, the good news is for Wendy and me, we didn't wake up alone. We were, we were at a beach house with some friends and they were, they were there with us and they've traveled with us ever since. You have a story about the waiting room. And I think a lot of us could relate to this. Could explain what that story is all about. Well, there, I begin the chapter by saying that I went, I was actually in the doctor's office. They took me back to the room and they actually forgot about me. <laughs> just, you know, like, wait a second. That's happened to me. I, I, I know. That's happened yeah. to me too. It's like, wait Hello. a minute. Um, I'm, and, it's and cold like in here. I know. And, and, or, you know, you ever gotten a, you know, you go to a restaurant and they give you a little beeper thing and it seems like everyone else's one yeah. is going off. And yeah, like, exactly. My battery, apparently my battery's dead because mine is not beeping. You're right. You've forgotten about me. And I feel like there's just this, there's this fear in the waiting room that we're when we're in a season of waiting that we're we're forgotten. And the principle here, and you see this in the scriptures, the principle is uh, you haven't been forgotten. God hasn't forgotten you. God is preparing you, uh, and you have to believe that. You have, but you have to abide and be obedient with the with the preparing season. So you have to believe that you're in a season of being prepared. And so there's three ways to wait. And only one of them is healthy. Uh, the first way to wait is to wait recklessly. And we see in the scriptures how people chose to wait recklessly. And it just was created massive consequences. I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to go do something really rash because I, I just got to make decisions. I'm, I'm tired of waiting. Okay, that's waiting recklessly. The other option is to wait passively, which is just to take on the victim mindset and to think there's nothing I can do here. I'm just a victim. This is how my life is. Um, and so we just sit around and, you know, play video games and, and, and all that, or you wait actively. There are some things that you can do, such as build your personal network. I talk about how to do that in the book. Uh, we've already talked about, you know, getting your financial house in order and ready, because if you believe that you're being prepared, you're going to get your financial house in order, do a side hustle. Because of my Chick-fil-A background, I, all, I have people all the time ask me, do you think I should become a Chick-fil-A restaurant operator? And my response is, I don't know, but I know how you can find out. You should go apply for a part-time job at your local Chick-fil-A. If you don't like 
the part-time job there, you're not going to like owning the business. And so that's a, that's a side hustle. So there are some things that you can do and start a personal advisory board, wait actively. So in the season of waiting, when it feels like, you know, the doctor's office has ushered you back into a room and they've forgotten completely about you, you haven't been forgotten. You're being prepared. But there's something that you can do in that waiting room that can help you um, that when the season of waiting is over and there's that season of waiting does come to an end in one form or fashion, you have positioned yourself to be able to take it to the next step. I think that we all, if we're honest with ourselves, can kind of feel like we're missing something. <laughs> you know, we're looking for, hoping for uh, our dream job. And you write, the path to your dream job often leads through your day job. Uh, How has this been true for you? Well, when I talk to so many people and, and, I, and I tell them this, they'll go, have you not been listening, Jeff? I don't like my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. But what I've discovered is that there's there are clues here. So I'll give you an example. So my first marketing job was was working for the Atlanta Braves. I was working in their promotions department. And I had a variety of different things that, that they asked me to do. One of which was to sell program ads, you know, call up a Coca-Cola and say, hey, would you like an ad in the Atlanta Braves game program? I was terrible at that. My palms sweated. I stuttered. I was a terrible salesperson. Okay, well, I'm not good at that. But what I also discovered, though, is that I was a pretty good writer. I had some pretty creative ideas. I worked well with the corporate sponsors. Um, I could communicate fairly well. And all those were clues for me. Now, I didn't wind up working in Major League Baseball. But so much of what I learned were clues about what I'm doing now in terms of writing, speaking, coming up with ideas, and working with companies. All of that was something that I learned with the Braves. Fortunately for me, I do not sell Atlanta Braves game programs anymore because I'm a terrible salesperson. <laughs> and, and, but even discovering what you're not good at is actually a powerful thing. So the way I talk about it is I feel like God's thumbprints are on all of us. Mm. And God's thumbprints on you are clues about his plans for you. Like if I told my personal advisory board, you know what I've decided to do, guys? I've decided to go into country music because I, I just like it. And they're going to look at me and go, nowhere in your background or experience is there any musical talent or experience <laughs> at all? We, we do not see this as one of God's thumbprints on you. Right. And so, so understanding, understanding that and understanding that, okay, every day job, I don't care what it is, every day job, those, those thumbprints and those gifts are coming out. And for example, when I left Chick-fil-A to help launch a church, I thought, well, this is a really weird career move because, you know, it's just two totally different industries. But what I discovered is, is the strengths and talents I had at Chick-fil-A, um, th those same strengths and talents were coming out in my leadership at Buckhead Church. And it's just so helpful, no matter what the role is, because the ability to cast vision, the ability to communicate, the ability to rally a team together, that was what I did at Chick-fil-A, and it's actually exactly what Buckhead Church needed me to do in that season. So those clues about what you're doing, even in a day job that you don't like, if you'll pay attention to them, they'll lead you somewhere. And too often I see people discounting or discarding the lessons that are available to them in their day job. Um, and not leveraging them for, you know, a pathway to your dream job. Jeff, uh, we love to ask every guest this, and it has nothing to do with anything at all. Yeah. 
And that is what what is what brings you joy personally? So it happened um, this week with my so I was in Nashville and my wife met our daughter. And my daughter is launching a church in Birmingham, Alabama. She is a part of a church called Auburn Community Church. And so there's some friends of mine in Nashville that uh, lead a great church, Cross Point Church in Nashville. And um, and seeing friends of mine um, speak into and encourage my daughter uh, and seeing our background, you know, she was a preacher's kid, and seeing that all of that move her closer to God's plans for her is so exciting to me. Do you have a friend who has a church here in Atlanta? My son wants to go into student ministry. Um, he's given my son um, opportunities to preach this summer while he's home from college to see my son thriving and, and, and taking steps toward leveraging God's thumbprints on him. <clears throat> and then to see um, <clears throat> just Wendy and me kind of going, wow, look at, look at this. This is awesome. So <clears throat> seeing my wife, and my kids, um, you know, John Maxwell says that his definition of success is that those closest to him respect him the most. And that's what gives me joy is when Wendy and Jesse and Cole, when I have their respect. I mean, I love that I'm going to be able to go speak to leaders, you know, in San Antonio and St. Louis here in a few days. That's awesome. It's such a gift. I mean, how amazing is that? But at the end of the day, I want to have the respect and love of Wendy, Jesse, and Cole. That, that's what gives me the, the most joy. Mm, that's good. Love that. It kind of comes back to the closest relationships, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time. And, and it's, it's, it's important. You know, I think the world can kind of sway us that the relationship's far away from us. And they're important. Every relationship's important. But it's, again, it's those that know me the best and know me the most. I want them to respect me the most. You know, uh, when we ask that question, the vast majority of answers have to do with family. And yeah, so uh -huh. <laughs> I, it always reminds me what's most important, you yeah. know, and can get off track there. But what's bringing you joy? It's usually something connected to God or family, yeah. you know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and all those are a gift from the Lord. And so be a, be a, be a, really, be a really good steward. Uh, of, of those folks, I don't want to take in because here's the deal. Um, even though we help, we're part of launching Buckhead Church and Gwinnett Church. Someone else is the lead pastor there now, and but at the end of the day, I didn't want to sacrifice my marriage and my family on the altar of work. Uh, God doesn't call us to do that. And I tell pastors this all the time: if you feel like God needs you, God needs you to lead this church you need to go to counseling or something because God doesn't need you to do something. <laughs> right. right? So wow. He doesn't need you. He's He's inviting you. He's calling you. But guess what? There's a whole lot of other people he could pick to lead this church. But so don't think, oh, I've got to, I got to work myself. You know, you know, I hear this all the time, you know, heaven, that's, I can rest in heaven. All right. That's, then what is the Sabbath for? I mean, you know, let's, let's not, your life moves to a better place when you move at a sustainable pace. And that is a fight, the faith issue. So don't sacrifice your family on the altar of a good calling because uh, that is your ultimate calling, I think. Amen. Powerful. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sermon over. It's good to know. Yeah. Message.
Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for spending time with us. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for reading the book. And thanks for what you're doing. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for listening to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast heard on Family Life Radio. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR Mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.